episode but before we go ahead I'll let my amazing co-host tell you who they are and then we have a guest and she'll tell you who she is when everyone has gone around hey everyone this is Amayo hey everyone this is Ifeyua hey everyone this is Ife and happy new year happy new year happy new year okay so in today's episode we have a guest um, who's very well accomplished, um, and I would just let her actually go ahead and tell everybody who she is and what she does. Hi, everyone. My name is Oluwashio Ayadeji Oshowabi, and I work as the executive director of Stanta Endrip Initiative. It's an NGO based in Lagos, Nigeria, um, providing support services to survivors of sexual violence in Nigeria and also engaging in policy advocacy to ensure reforms are made um, on policies that affect women's rights and um, to also ensure that we're protecting survivors and we are creating a society where everyone is free from all forms of abuse. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the episode with us today. Um, You guys can already tell by the title what we're going to be talking about, but can you just tell everyone how you started the Stand to End Rape Initiative? Stand to End initiative um, started in 2013 um, as just a Twitter hashtag. At the time, um, I had read a lot about um, sexual violence happening in Nigeria, specifically in Lagos. But when I read the news, I only see, oh, Amaka was raped um, two days ago or three days ago. But I never get to hear information of who the rapist is or what kind of services um, Amaka was exposed to get um, to help her with the situation. So I was just really tired of reading stories um, of young women um, and girls who had been raped, but there was nothing showing if they received support, if anything happened to the rapist, there was just nothing. And um, also coming from a personal space, I felt um, it was important to start writing about the gaps in how we report cases of sexual violence and even helping people know um, that, you know, behaviors like this or situations such as this is what constitutes rape or sexual violence as a whole. So I just started blogging. I started writing in 2013, specifically from September. I started writing and blogging and just creating awareness about sexual violence and consent in Nigeria. And, you know, a lot of people started reaching out to me to say, hey, I think... What you said happened to me five years ago, but I did not know what it was or I could not explain what I'd experienced. But now that you say this is what it is, I think I have been raped. You know, I think I have experienced sexual violence. And, you know, I sort of do a bit of counseling um, with them. Um, But I thought that, you know, there was so much more that could be done. It shouldn't just end with conversations. Um, from my phone or from my Twitter handle because I was in New York at the time 
So I just thought that there was so much more I could do. So in 2014, I moved back to Nigeria to engage um, communities and engage survivors to just um, get get um, a sense of what was going on on ground and where the, the, the loopholes were. Mm-hmm. And in June 2014, we started as a full-blown organization, um, engaging in four things, awareness, advocacy, prevention, and support. And the support aspect is one of the most important components to us um, because we believe that we are not just um, a youth-led organization looking for the numbers. We're actually supporting one survival at a time. If it's only one survival we're able to help in one year, that might seem like a very bad statistic. But to us, it's about getting that one survivor from a very terrible state to mm. a better state of themselves. So our focus is on the survivors. And as we have grown for the past um, four years, leading on to five years this year, um, we've kind of branched out into different activities, both um, in, in the grassroots, online, and um, at the policy level. Awesome. Thank you. That's amazing. Yeah, I think that's really cool. I, I remember watching a video um, pretty recently where you were talking about right support from your mom and how that actually pushed you to even start that. Can you tell people a little bit about that? Um, so I had experienced violence in doing my youth service um, as a youth club member. And um, it was a very painful experience for me because um, at the time I was engaging in um, investigative journalism where I was writing about stories um, during the NYC period of women, of people in River State and just writing stories. And so sexual violence was one of the stories I was interested in. But, you know, I was just writing it as a story. I had not experienced it or I'd never opened to experience it. So mm-hmm. when it did happen, it was heartbreaking for me because um, I felt like, you know, um, I made a very, very hard decision not to receive bribe during electoral process. And that even brought a harder consequence to me. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I started having a mind game of what if I'd received the bribe, maybe I wouldn't have had to experience this emotionally draining um, situation. Maybe I'll just be my normal self now, you know. Just so many things going through my head. I felt like I was a shadow of myself, a disappointment to my family. And, you know, I was very skeptical about talking to anyone um, um, about the experience. But I had to because I didn't know what to do at the time. Um, I sought out organizations to support me. I couldn't find any. So um, I spoke to my housemate at the time and my parent. And, you know, the, the usual self, you'd expect backlash. You know that um, this is something very embarrassing to your family. So, of course, they'll be really mad at you. But I was really shocked, not because uh, my parents are any less greater than um, they were, but because I didn't think this is the kind of situation I would receive support for. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a very hard thing to tell your mom, hey, mom, I'm sorry to disappoint you, but I've been sexually violated. It's really hard. So I was expecting her to be angry. I was expecting my dad to be furious with me. And even disowning me. But on the contrary, I received love. I received support. Um, you know, my mom was my source of strength, reminding me that, you know, um, I was better or I was greater than my experience. You know, experiences shape you, mm. but they don't really define who you are if you don't, um, you know, just 
dwell on those moments. If you take those moments as moments of lessons and moments of strength, you can move forward and make something out of such experiences. Mm. And that's exactly what I did. Um, to make something out of what I'd experienced. So yeah, my mom, my mom is my rock. My dad is my um, greatest support. So I have a perfect family. <laughs> That's really awesome. Um, and yeah. ladies, feel free to ask questions as we go along too. Um, one thing that struck me, I think, when I was looking up your organization, um, is the emphasis and the fact that it's youth-run or youth-led. Um, yes. And I was curious as to um, why that emphasis, why you think that emphasis is important? Um, for me, because I'm a young person and I believe in the capacity of young people to actually drive change mm. in issues they are passionate about. I was very, um, um, very clear on who the target audience for this organization would be. And it was for young people to be a part of it. Um, because at the time that I started, we didn't have young people in this space speaking up, you know, mm. um, or engaging to help those who have experienced um, the issue. So I just wanted more young people um, to be a part of it, for their voices to be heard, not just as survivors, but as young people who want to see a difference in Nigeria when it comes to being violated. And to be honest, um, from the ages of 18 upwards is when people experience the most form of violence, sexual violence, until recently when it became children. Um, mm. But back then, it used to be young people who expressed it more. So I just wanted us, as young people with fresh ideas, with um, vibrant um, vibes, you know, to just begin to do work in our different states and communities and drive the change. So yeah, I really wanted young people because I know that um, two heads of young people is better than does anybody have any questions for her personally or yeah this is the thing well, i was just wondering so far um what have been the challenges of running like a movement like this in terms of logistics um in terms of reception um in terms of i don't know if you're seeking funding like just yeah if you can talk more about that the process and the challenges so it was really difficult um starting in this field because this is this is um an issue that people are just not interested in talking about there's a mm. culture of silence mm -hmm. um people are not open to say hey i've survived, survived sexual violence it was pretty difficult mm. so i know the way nigeria is if you're trying to change something that is um societally entrenched mm -hmm. you have to double the effort of your work like you have to fight you have to literally Beyond, like, I, we died here kind of situation. <laughs> like, my life is on the line and I need to make this work. Mm -hmm. So it was very difficult to help people even see that the way they spoke to women, the mm -hmm. way they touched women, the way they feel entitled to women's body mm. is harassment or is violence. It was mm -hmm. difficult for them to see that. And so what we did was started using social media and traditional media to educate people. Mm. Um, so writing articles, creating content on a daily basis about sexual violence and mm. helping people see that, you know, what you're doing seems normal to you because that's the kind of society you've grown in, but it's not normal. It's mm. actually abnormal. We've just imbibed that culture and it needs to change. So it was difficult to start with, but the moment I, I made it relatable, it wasn't just about stories alone. It was about 
using my life experience um, mm. as the bedrock of my message. Mm-hmm. And the more young people joined, the more their stories also resonated with other people. And, you know, what men started rethinking their behavior, started thinking, oh, perhaps this way I talked to a lady or the way I touched that girl or the way I kept silent when my Nandi friend was touching this girl violently, perhaps, you know, I'm an enabler of the rape culture. Perhaps mm-hmm. this, perhaps that. So it just started with, Helping people question. So what we didn't mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we didn't start with the strategy of fighting. That was mm-hmm. our strategy. We didn't fight. We wanted you to question yourself. So mm-hmm. we put the facts out there. You begin to think about you know how that fact you know is 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 contrary to what you have been doing. So it was about people checking their behaviors, checking um, their sense of entitlement mm-hmm. um, towards women and even towards men as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that's how we started. And so I receiving, you know, good reception. People were like, oh, I want to be a part of this. I love what you're doing. I love the messaging. You know, you're talking to me. I feel it. And we just started growing that way. But it did not hinder us from experiencing challenges when it comes to providing support to those cases. Because you meet family members who still tell you, nah, fam, we appreciate your love. We thank you for your service, but nah. This is a family issue. Mm-hmm. We'd like to protect the image of our family. You know, we mm-hmm. don't want this girl, quote and unquote, to be ashamed to us and things like that. Mm-hmm. And what we do is we remind them that, you know, the onus of shame should not be on the person who right. has been violated. Mm-hmm. It should be on the person who willingly violated someone else's right. That person should feel the shame. Mm-hmm. 100% shame. And I always use the narrative of, you know, as children, we expect our parents to be providers, to be supporters, and to be our line of defense. Mm-hmm. So when you are um, blaming me for something that was done against me, you're indirectly telling me that the person who did that thing against me was right. Mm-hmm. And you'd rather take their side. Mm-hmm. So you support what they have done. What they have done is legit. And I am the problem. And so what you're saying is you are a supporter of rape. Mm-hmm. So you shouldn't be angry that I got raped because you support the act anyway. Mm. So why are you angry? Why why do you feel, you know, ashamed that I, I got raped because you obviously supported by not defending me? Mm. So when I, when we use that narrative, they're like, oh wow, oh we didn't think about it that way, you know. And we begin to engage them, commute in their homes because sometimes we have to go to their house to talk to the parents, like have a family meeting with them, have a family meeting with the community, you know, to engage them, and you know. Gradually, people are like, yeah, we don't mind. Help us. Help us, you know. Let, let us get justice for our daughter or our son. You know, let's show the world that this is not okay. You can't just rape our child and feel it is okay to get away with it. We will stand with our child and things like that. Mm-hmm. And for funding, you know, rep is something that so many brands don't want to get associated with. I mean, mm-hmm. you go to brand and you say, um, so we're doing this work for these people. Can you you know, support us with this. And honestly, honestly speaking, your initiative is amazing and stuff, but maybe it's not something we really want to get involved with. Wow. Yeah, because again, you don't really expect those who perpetrate the violence to support the fight against the violence. Mm -hmm. So when, when that happens, we are not surprised. We are definitely not surprised because we don't see anything shameful about mm. supporting a fight against rape. As a matter of fact, 
we see it as something that should be nationally embraced. Right. Every brand should want to say, you know what? We stand with women. We stand with survivors. We are saying no to sexual violence against this um, class of people who are constantly um, violated. But when you say you don't want to fund us, you're directly telling us you'd rather fund rapists. You'd rather support rapists. And that's okay. That's your decision. But does this stop the work that we do? (laughs) No, it's okay because we will continue our work. Mm, We can't fight brands to give us money. We can't fight brands to support us. We can only keep putting out the good work. And Mm. hopefully the brands will see that, okay, these guys are viable. These guys know what they're doing and we need to definitely support them. And Mm. that that has happened over the years. Mm. I'm just giving you like an example of when we initially started. We We didn't get any funding. We didn't get any brand support because... People are like, ah, rape is so dirty. You know, mm. we don't want to get involved in that area. And we said, that's fine. We will continue the work with or without your support because at the end of the day, we're not asking you to give us money because we need your money to spend it for our personal reasons. Mm-hmm. We're asking you to be a part of the revolution we are creating in Nigeria to say, you as a brand, you stand against this violence. You stand with women. You support the voices of survivors and mm-hmm. you are there for them over the long haul hmm. so you know as we continue the work more people you know started supporting with their money with resources and just collaborating with us and it's been great i must be honest it's been really great and it could be better you know it could mm-hmm. be better but it's great yeah hmm. that's very interesting to me um that people and, and I guess, you know, with the kind of culture that we have, I can see how that's the reality when it comes to finding support and grants and funding for, you know, work like this. But then when you think about it personally as, you know, like that could be a plight that you're personally fighting or your kid or your cousin, um, then I don't understand why it wouldn't be something that you would want to jump at, um, that people are getting the help that they, they need. Because I don't know the the extent to which the Nigerian government is helping um, with this situation. Can you actually talk about the Nigerian government a little bit? So um, with regards to the Nigerian government, um, I would say they've picked up the pace, but it's not been sufficient and efficient. Hmm. Um, For example, in Abuja, which is the capital of the country, if you go look for a shelter from the government, they would tell you that the shelter is full. So before you can put any clients in, you have to pay. But when I reviewed the budget of the Ministry of Women Affairs, hmm. the budget says that they will establish 20, 20 shelters fully funded in the budget. But when you go on ground to see what is available, you can't even find two from the government. Wow. Lagos State has been um, a shining light in terms of response to sexual violence in Nigeria. The laws, the establishments, they've been great. Um, but again, we have over 20 million people in Lagos and we have two rape crisis centers. That's not sufficient enough. That's a good start, but it's not sufficient enough. So let me talk from the Nigerian government perspective. It's not just about creating um, physical structures to support. Mm-hmm. It's even in the prevention. 
mm-hmm. of the issue. And the prevention comes from programmings and policies. Mm-hmm. So throughout this year, I have sat down to watch what the Ministry of Women Affairs and Social Development has done regarding sexual violence. And they practically haven't done anything. When you say this year, do you mean 2018? You mean 2018, right? Oh, sorry, 2018, because this is, this is a new okay. year. Mm-hmm. In 2018, yeah. the only thing that I was, you know, aware that was done is the Office of the Vice President organizing a two-day symposium on sexual and gender-based violence in Nigeria. That's a good thing. But how about the policies and the programmings in the communities? Mm-hmm. We have the National Orientation Agencies. They are existent in the 36 states. How about we have radio plays on sexual violence across mm-hmm. the 36 states? How about we have drama groups, you know, going into communities, acting out these situations and scenarios, enlightening people? How about the Nigerian police force mm-hmm. as an agency? present in almost every local government in Nigeria, going into those local governments, having a, a weekend out or a Saturday out with community members, sit them down, educate them on the law. What is permissible under the law? When you rape someone, this is what happens to you. When you are sexually abused, this is what you can get under the law. This is the justice system. This is how it works. How about all these government agencies get to action? How about our judicial system mm-hmm. reducing the, the 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 term or the long or the year or the process of getting justice from three years to maybe six months mm-hmm. you know or at the most one year how mm-hmm. about government does all these little things to contribute to the work that we and other ngos are doing to ensure that you know we prevent sexual violence in nigeria and survivors get support but there is nothing there is little or nothing being done on this issue. But if you check the budget, mm. there is money allocated to these issues. But the money is not coming to the community. The money is not supporting the NGO. The money cannot be found. So where is the money? Mm. And where are the programs? And mm. where are the structures? So wow. depressing. I, I, I have a question. Go ahead, please. Speaking about um, laws, I was reading one of the links, one of the resources was, you know, the sexual violence and rape laws in Nigeria. Yes. And apparently, like, number one, women are the only people, mm-hmm. like, considered rapeable yeah. in Nigeria. Mm-hmm. So the laws are written as such that if a woman is blah, 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 so, like, it specifies women, that's what, women or girls. Mm-hmm. And that's one. Then he also, um, in Lagos and federal law, and I, I think it's divided into like, um, uh, I can't remember the terminology, or penal code. Oh, criminal okay. code. Penal, yeah. Criminal yeah. code, then Lagos state's law. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. So in those three major laws, marital rape is not there. Mm-hmm. You know, there's like a man cannot rape his wife, mm-hmm. which is mind-blowing that our, our laws are so regressive. They're mm-hmm. so archaic. That number right. one, they do not acknowledge that anybody can be a victim of sexual assault and rape. It does; mm-hmm. it's not gender specific. Right, right. And number two, that like marital, like you know, this whole thing of oh, don't get between a man and his wife type situation is even encoded into the law. Mm-hmm. So like domestic abuse, um, domestic abusers are 
enabled by the law yep. and domestic violence victims and sexual assault victims who are you know victims um who, who are if who, whose abusers or their spouses are are, are are enabled by the law and it's so wild to me um can you tell us more about any work uh, going towards kind of changing the laws or you know like how do because they I don't know what our legislatures are doing, honestly, actually. Like, I don't know the points of the House of Reps. I don't know yeah. the points of the Senate. Like, I don't know of any, like, sensible bill that they passed recently, honestly. <laughs> the one that they were trying to pass of, um, of federal um, parental rights, like, that, that they rejected at the House of Reps. It's just a shit show. Um, like, have you done any work in terms of policy? You mentioned that you do policy work. Like, what are the steps that you've like, if somebody wanted to get involved in helping change such laws, yeah, what would they do? What have you done? What lessons have you learned in, in if you've done anything in the process of doing things like that? Okay, so I'm going to respond to your questions in different phases. The first, yeah. I'm going to address the issue Oh, of... this is Ife, by the way. Sorry. <laughs> Hi, I should Ife. have said that. <laughs> so I'm going to address um, the, the issue of marital rape. So under the penal code um, in the chapter 18, which covers offenses affecting the human body, the section for criminal force and assault, which is um, 282, specifically says that a man, very clearly says a man is said to commit rape, who except in case referred to in subsection blah, 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 has a sexual intercourse with a woman in any of the following circumstances. Number one, against a will. Number two, without a consent. Number three, with a consent, when a consent has been obtained by putting her in fear of death or of hearth. With a consent, when the man knows that he is not her husband and that her consent is given because she believes that is another man to whom she is or herself to be lawfully married. But the place that, that gives me the problem, the major problem, is the part of the, the marital one that says that a man cannot, cannot rape his wife if, he has attain, if she has attained puberty. Wait. Which means <laughs> sorry. Wow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so let me read it the way it says it. Sexual intercourse by a man with his own wife is not rape if she has attained puberty. I know that puberty is relative. Right. I so puberty they can be seen what that as is. once you begin to grow breast. And children from the ages of twelve or even fourteen grow breasts. But in this penal code, it says that you cannot get consent from a child who is under the age of 14. Mm -hmm. So what he's saying is, once you are above 14, you can be raped. Yeah, you can get consent. That's a problem. So that's the penal code. The penal code actually applies to northern Nigeria. Mm -hmm. Funny enough, the criminal code basically gives an overview of, you know, what rape is and stuff. And it doesn't really state the age for consent. Mm. It only says, you know, if you 
force a woman, intimidate a woman, or you fraudulently represent yourself to be something else and you are not, and you have sexual intercourse with a woman or girl, or you impersonate a married woman's husband in order to have sex with the person. So that's the criminal code. The criminal code of Lagos State also does basically the same thing. But the most effective law is the Violence Against Persons Prohibition Act, the VAP Act. And this process took 13 years for it to get passed. It was first violence against women. But our representatives and senators said, nah, wow. you know, because it's women, nah, it will not be passed. You have to remove this, remove that, remove this, remove. So people, we just kept removing stuff from the lower. Just removing it, just removing it, just to suit, you know, their own, their own taste, you know, to, just to ensure that we remove that clause of just women. Because what the VAP law does is it says persons, which means any person. Mm-hmm. So it's when a person intentionally penetrates the vagina, anus, or mouth of another person with any part of his or her own body or anything else at all without consent or with incorrectly obtained consent. Mm-hmm. So this covers men as well. So the issue of, eh, I, actually, I did not touch the vagina, I did not, whatever. Mm-hmm. Whatever part of the person's body you touch with your own part of the body or anything else mm-hmm. without the person's consent, with even if you got the content by intimidation, by fraudulent means, by using substance against the person's will, whatever it is, so far as the person's consent with their full sense of um, mind being intact, it is rape. Mm-hmm. And so that law is great. Unfortunately, the law is only applicable in FCT, Abuja, where it has wow. been passed. Because it needs the state's to localize it. Yeah. Every state needs to localize this law for it to be effective. Lagos State already has something similar to this law, which is a criminal law of Lagos State. However, other states are yet to localize it. So it's a national law, but it's not effective in the state. We were part of the passage of this law. We joined at the very later stage of the law because we started as an NGO in 2014. This law was passed in 2015. So we joined towards the end of of, um, the advocacy. And one part we were not happy about that was removed is the fact that survivors can get abortion if they've been raped. That's the part of the law we wanted to to remain. Mm. But some religious bodies felt, no, how can they abort it is against the law. It is against, you know, their religion and things like that. Separation of church and state. You know, Jesus. so they fought against the bill and said the bill had to be thrown out if abortion was included. Hmm. Because we were so passionate about getting this bill passed, just hmm. so that it can expand the age of consent, it can expand hmm. who can get raped and things like that. Mm-hmm that clause of the law was removed. Mm. It's a very important issue that was removed, but it was removed because the bill not just addresses 
sexual violence. It also talks about domestic violence. Also talks about mental health. Also talk, talks about acid attack, which is not mm. something that our law covered. Um, but wow. this particular law wanted to just expand on everything. So, mm. you know, we had to present the law as it is for you to get passed. Now, this law has been passed. We practically have to beg states to adopt the law locally. I mean, it's it's ridiculous. So, sorry, that we have sorry to, to interrupt. Mm-hmm. Um, the Abuja one too, it also says that marital, there's no such thing as marital rape, are we? No, also... no, no, no. So, okay, that the marital, marital rape, rape was indicated in the law. But you know, the way Nigeria is, they fought against it. So what we did was, we put that under the persons. Whether you're married or unmarried, you're a person. Okay. Mm, yeah. Okay. Mm, okay. So that was, that good, was good, the good smart shot. thing that was done. You know, just to um, help to cover the issue of, oh, marital rape or no marital rape. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. This, like, my mind is so blown and i think this is a good segue into our conversation on consent and it's like like what is consent i watched a video where you at the ikf festival where you were talking about um attitudinal and mental um consent can you talk about that so we give people a very clear and vivid description of of what consent is so i'm just going to use scenarios to make this easy um Consent is basically you asking for something, you requesting for something, and getting an unintimidated, a non-coerced, full-blown yes. And that you get yes today does not guarantee you get a yes tomorrow. Or the yes does not last for one year. <laughs> the yes of my right now wow. is my yes of right now. Yeah. In the yeah. next five minutes, my yes can change to no. And as an individual, I have the right to say yes or no at any time. Mm-hmm. And you have the obligation to respond to whatever it is that I say. Mm-hmm. So consent is basically understanding that someone has a right to say yes or to say no without being coerced, being threatened, being forced, being intimidated, being put under the influence of drugs or alcohol. Mm-hmm. Whatever. Yes means yes. No means no. Doesn't mean maybe perhaps it could be I thought I I I assumed nah. Mm-hmm. Yes is very clear. And for me, consent is not just sexual. Mm. It's even from the way we were brought up. Mm-hmm. So Junior and Shadi are playing. And Junior wants to touch Shadi. Leave me alone, Shadi says. But Junior's like, Shadi was doing it now. You like too much, Shakara. Mm. Because it feels that Shadow shouldn't be saying no to him mm. as a boy, as a man. Because, I mean, we are friends. So friends are able to do these things to each other without really needing to check with the other mm. party if you are okay with it or not. So you touch Shadi, Shadi slaps your hand and says, Junior, leave me alone. But you touch again, why? Why do you feel the need to touch her? Because you feel like you are entitled mm. to her body. You are entitled to do what you please mm-hmm. without necessarily minding if it affects that person physically or emotionally or psychology, mm-hmm. psychologically because we are children. So it's permissible we let that go. 
But no, not in this age. We will not let that go. Because at that age, Gina needs to understand that when Shade says no, mm-hmm. she means no. If Shade doesn't want to play with you, go and play with your toys. Mm. Go and watch TV. In fact, go and read your books. You know, we are paying school fees. Mm-hmm. It's important. It's just helping children understand the relationship they need to have with each other. And that's how it grows. From Shade, it becomes the girlfriend. Mm. So we're dating. I want to touch you. You're saying no. Why? We're in a relationship. I own your body. You know, I have a right to your body. I don't need to ask you or check with you because we've entered into a bond of a relationship that gives me the pathway to your body at any time of the day. Mm. That's the narrative and that's the belief. So consent is basically from how we even relate with each other. So for example, if I tell you like, guys, I'm sorry, I have to go now. I have to get off the school. I have a right to go. You have a right to ask me to say, um, Aya, please, we've not finished. Can you stay back a bit? I have a right to say, no, I don't want to stay back a bit and I leave. Mm-hmm. It's within my right. So if you, if I then go and then you begin to blab on social media and say, um, I already left the call, even though we had begged her, she's blah, 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 blah. You are infringing of my right mm-hmm. to say no. Yeah. So it's basically little things like that. I know that's not the content that we're talking about, but it's, Basically, understanding that people have a right mm-hmm. to say no to things at any time mm-hmm. of the day, and you have the obligation again, obligation, non negotiable obligation to accept that no and let people be who they want to be. And that's that's why we have gray areas in relationship because once you're dating someone, mm. automatically they, they believe that. I have a right to your body. I have a right to do things to you. You don't have a right to say no. And that's what translates into marriages. Yeah. Because if I'm dating you and I have a right to your body, how much more? I carried my family to your village. Mm. We prostrated. We put yam down. We bought Gary pineapple. We paid money. I have bought you with my resources. Mm -hmm. So I own you as a property. And Mm. when you have a chair... And you want a seat. Does the chair have a right to say, no, don't sit on me? Mm-hmm. No, the chair doesn't have. Because the chair is a property. Mm-hmm. You own a property. The property does not have a right to dictate to you how you use them or how you trash them. Mm-hmm. You have the control. Yeah. So women are seen as that property that has been bought with money, mm-hmm. with tubers of yam, with, you know, with culture. Mm-hmm. And that's where the gray, gray area with, with, with consent starts from. It's just basically feeling entitled to mm-hmm. somebody else's rights. Not yeah. just their bodies now, but their mm-hmm. total rights in general. Yeah. And that's that's where we started breaking like some t- for the six sixteens of activism we did um what consent means. Mm-hmm. The ten rules of consent for stare. And we published that. It's basically helping you understand the inaction and the actions that you take that contribute to sexual violence. Mm. From the fact of um, she came to my house, or I took her out. We went to have dinner. Of course, I paid money. I paid money. Wow. I bought something. <laughs> so I've bought something in exchange for your right. consent. Right. I have bought something to own the right to your body. So I really don't need to ask you if going to my house means we're having sex mm-hmm. or not. You just the fact that. that you're going home with me 
Mm-hmm. After I have bought so and so and spent so and so amount of money on you, I have bought the rights of consent. So consent has, has become something people buy mm-hmm. with either mm-hmm. relationships, with their money, um, with their marriage, with whatever it is, you just buy it. You know, with their friendship, because both of us are friends now. You like me, I don't like you. When a private space together, you just feel, oh, let me just give her a quick kiss. She will warm up to me. Oh my God. Okay, so this, like, what you said, ha- I mean, is making me think of, you know, the concept of like body autonomy in yeah. that, like, I own my body. And so yeah. if I want to share my body with you, that's my prerogative. You yeah. don't get the right to um, say to me, no, because I took you to this really expensive restaurant, then clearly what's going to happen tonight is you're going to give your body to me because that's my right. But it's no. The only person who has a right to my body is like me. I have the autonomy. And my value is not, uh, how, how do I explain it? My value is not the same as buying a piece of land. Like, yeah. Th- yeah. they're not the same. Or chivas of yam. Yeah, you know? Mm-mm. Don't be rude. Yeah. And it's important to note that consent is not just saying yes. Mm. There are different forms of consent. There's the grooming consent. And that's what is so what is happening with the R. Kelly situation now. So there's that stage where you find young teenagers and you begin to groom them to gain their consent. So in their minds, they are saying yes. Mm. But you are actually grooming them to say the yes. Mm-hmm. There's the coercive yes. And there's the emotional manipulation, yes, a.k.a. rip and beg. Mm. So uh, if you, maybe if you love me, we'll do this thing. Honestly, you don't love me. Uh, no, no, you don't. So you emotionally blackmail people mm. to give their bodies to you. Then they say passive yes because they want to satisfy you or they feel like doing less means they are worthless. Mm. So they give in to you. So there are different forms of consent. Some people say, yeah, but I got consent. How? Was the consent obtained? Mm-hmm. Did you intimidate the person? Was it coercive? Did you threaten the person? Did you groom the person? Because grooming is the most dangerous part of consent for young, um, young adolescents, especially teenagers. They are very young. Um, they are vulnerable. And then someone begins to manipulate their, their thought process mm. to, get, to get their bodies, you know, making them feel like their body is only valuable when it has been tasted by a man. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, this is a thing and something that's coming to mind is like, uh, people in positions of power. So with the example of, um, young underage women, boys, girls or boys, um, being groomed by people who are older, that age gap itself is, can be seen as like, somebody who's in a position of power, but then you think of professors who target students, you think of bosses who target their employees mm-hmm. and, you know, saying that, oh yes, you know, she was willing, but I, I am like encouraged by consent, including, you know, how it was obtained. Like it's not just yeah, that the person said yes, important. but what were the circumstances? Because somebody mm-hmm, who yeah. is, is, I don't know, is, not making a lot of money she just has this one stream of revenue is scared about losing this job says yes but you know she was coerced into that position um but then i was hoping we could also talk about culture 
because mm-hmm. and how we raise boys and girls and yeah. the different way we raise them and mm-hmm. there's all this language about what femininity is and you can't be direct and you have to be chased and you have to de- mm-hmm. be demure and you have to let the guy chase you and then men or boys feeling like their their masculinity is tied to solving that challenge like right it's like <laughs> This person says no, but they really mean yes. Um, and just how we raise children moving forward um, mm-hmm. to either say like, hey, say what's on your mind. If you want this, say you want this. If you don't want to say mm-hmm. you don't want this. But also raising boys to um, respect women. And I think there's just culturally this understanding that, yeah, about how men and women that. I'm so happy you brought this up. And there's also this obsession with purity, right? It's like, Mm. so that's, and I don't know, and people, we can feel free to, of course, have this conversation that the other reason, like, it's not just like violating somebody, but for some reason you feel like you tarnish their reputation. Like, this is something Mm. that... I don't know. You can exert power this way by ruining this person. And so like even families then feel like they have to be quiet because people are going to look down on them because of this. Mm -hmm. And this person isn't pure anymore and is not Mm. a virgin anymore. So there there are all these other things too that even further, you know, make people silent about rape is this culture and this obsession with purity and Mm -hmm. people being virgins and, and just... And, you know, culture and religion, they they go hand in hand and sometimes it's hard yeah. to tease them apart. But I think these are all factors to consider about, you know, rape and stigma around rape. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, those are very important points because um, growing up, I just, I knew there was something not right. It was just weird that Junior would be playing ball outside and Shadi would be the one cooking in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. I, I just, I just... I was just, I was just angry. Like, what was going on? Exactly, right. what's going on right now? Like, I'm not staying. You know, because I felt like it's the same vagina we both came out from. <laughs> so I don't know. Maybe when they brought out the boys, they raised them up with their legs, and then when they bigger the girls, is with their hands. So their vagina will not show. They all turn us the same. Like we were born the same way. So why do we come into the world as children who are innocent mm. and we are divided? Yeah. And so what I realized is we are a very shameful culture. Mm-hmm. We're a culture that believes in preserving one particular gender for our own virtues and letting one be whatever they want to be. So what do I mean? You know when girls grow up, are educated, know um, getting pregnant at a young age, has a good job, about to get married... There's this sense of pride. Mm. Like my daughter, like you, if you go to weddings, you, you can sense what I'm saying. There's this extreme sense of pride. Like I brought up a valuable one, wow. right? They feel the same sense of joy with the man. However, the, it's different. The vibe is different because we are seen as a treasure. Like that treasure that when you give out to another person's family, you can be proud to say, oh, I gave out a valuable daughter. Like, my daughter is virtuous. I've never heard my son is virtuous. <laughs> never heard it. <laughs> and it's very simple. Mm. You're telling the boys, you know, be a boy. Don't cry like a girl. Mm-hmm. Because 
crying is linked to weakness. Yeah. So it's only girls who are weak that cry. So don't cry. You know, you, you help men shield their emotions. You, you plaster it, put some paper, put everything in. But the girls who are allowed to express their emotions, are allowed to cry and whatever, we stay in the kitchen because at the end of the day, our virtue as a woman mm. or as a girl is someone who's out to cook, mm. who is domestic who can be a good wife to the husband. So we are kept in the kitchen, we are molded, we are told, close your legs, you know, don't let a man touch you here mm-hmm. or there, don't play this certain way. But Junior, you can go outside, go and play ball, go and play ball, eh? play ball, mm-hmm. good boy. He goes outside, no training, no yeah. teaching, nothing. So these two people grow up to be teenagers. Shade meet somebody else, Junior meet somebody else. So let me use Shade as an example. Shade meet a guy, who has been brought up the same way our brother Junior has been brought up. And then Junior is, a, is, is of a belief that, you know, as a guy man, you have to get it. Sex is a rite of passage. Sex shows that you are a man. It defines who you are. Your sexual progress defines who you are as a man. So, of course, you have to have sex with a girl. So, you meet Shade, for example, who has been told by her parents to close her legs, to keep her body, because her virginity is a pride to the husband. It's a pride to the family. So these people meet. Two things would happen. If either one person wants to let go of what they've been taught or violence or cause. So mm. that the guy feels, okay, you know what? It's okay. I don't have to have sex with this one. Let her go. Or Shade is meant to feel like, well, you know, I have to let go because you know, I love him or because, you know, this is what is meant to be, this is the right way for it to go. Or one person feels, I have to take it by force mm. because you're not giving it to me freely. So it, 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 it's a power struggle because the man has been taught to get it as a man. This is a rite of passage to you. This is normal. But for the girl, she has been taught, this is not normal. You close your legs. Mm-hmm. And that's why the violence always occurs because we have two different upbringings. Mm-hmm. And so when we are getting married, you know, we are reminded of how you have to be domestic, how you have to cook and do all of these things, satisfy your husband in bed. You know, when he's cheating, you have to close your eyes and be the good wife. But we don't have the boys the same thing. Mm. Boys are taught to play Lego and these very, you know, creative games. Girls are taught to play with Barbie and plate hair. No critical thinking at a young age, nothing. But just starts to be in the kitchen while the boys go out to play and be boys. That kind of upbringing is the problem that we have today. Mm. Men feel entitled, women feel they need to be emotional, to be quiet, to be closed. And so when you even want to express your femininity, you are worried because your upbringing says it's only a loose girl that mm. gives up her body easily. So, of course, you mean yes, but you have to say no because you don't want the boy to see you as cheap. Mm. So, mentally, you're fighting yourself. Mm. Baby, girl, you want this. No, I don't want it. Yes, you want it. No, I don't want it. So, you tell the boy no, but your action is saying yes. So, Mm. you're saying it's mixed signals to the guy. So, the guy believes that, well, she's saying no, but she really means yes. So, he also goes up with that mentality of when they say no, they actually mean yes. Mm. And that's how the cycle begins. So when you meet somebody else, ah, that's the same way Shade said no, but she actually meant yes. Mm. So it takes advantage of her and it keeps going that way, that way, that way. 
But it's okay for, for, for girls to embrace who they are and to be vocal about what they want or what they do not want. Mm-hmm. And that's why in, in our messages, we always remind girls to be assertive. If you want something, go for it. If you don't want to be clear. Mm. Can we because... talk about that, actually? Mm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, so the thing Shake is, the table effect. When, when, you... <laughs> <laughs> when we talk, so I agree with all of, you know, most of what you've said uh, in terms of like how our culture of, um, of raising oh, children, we want the women that are supposed to be chased and mm-hmm. whatever contributes to the rape culture and how we need to shift our thinking towards that and how women, you know, should own their sexuality and if they want, if they're interested in something, they, they shouldn't have to be persuaded to participate in their own pleasure so i agree with all of that well the thing about mixed signals i have a problem with or like right is that because so for example like that as is a sorry story about him and mm. you know some some girl i don't know if is everyone familiar with that story mm-hmm. yeah. yeah okay great and how some people were like oh um she was giving mixed signals and you know she could have just left if she wanted and stuff like that like so people understand soft nose. People understand nonverbal cues when it comes to everything but sex. Mm. Do you understand? Like if you say, "Oh, if I, um, if I see you cooking something and it doesn't look that appetizing," and you say, "If I come and have a plate," I'm not. Ah, I you know I just ate. Oh, I'm not hungry right now. Oh, maybe mm-hmm. later. Like you would kind of low key guess that I'm not it. interested in mm-hmm. eating this food. Mm-hmm. You know. Or if you're like, oh, if I, let's go to the movies next week and I tell you I have to wash my cat or something, like, you understand that I'm not interested. Or, you know, like, people understand nonverbal cues or soft no's when it's things other than sex. But when it comes to sex, people, like, operate in bad faith, I, I believe. A lot of people operate in bad faith and, and, and they think about, okay, what is the most I can get mm. out of this interaction? Like, mm. how far can I push the boundary? Instead of you know, the mindset, they don't even approach it for me. Okay, this is a thing that I want. To, I want to give pleasure to my partner. I want to, what I want this to be enjoyable for both of us. So how am I ensuring mm-hmm. that this is an enjoyable experience for us both? It is more like, okay, I want to get mine however I want to get mine. You know, mm-hmm. I don't, you know, this person right here is just kind of inconsequential to the process. Yeah, to the process. Yeah. So, like, I just want to I, I understand the value of telling women to be assertive and telling people to have like be clear when it comes to communicating their disinterest or their discomfort in sexual situations. But I also want us to emphasize the importance of checking with your partner mm-hmm. and like the continuous consent bit and asking and be like, okay, is this good? Does this feel good? Do you still want to, you know, like, you know, and also check their body language because again, like we've said, like there is this societal conditioning where women are not comfortable like mm-hmm. stating what they want. They're not comfortable because they want to seem likable. They want to be liked. They want to whatever. So there's, there are all these like generations and decades of social societal conditioning yeah. that women have to battle against. Then we now say, okay, be assertive in the bedroom. Be, you know, be. <laughs> so I was, like I was, I was going to get to that place. So okay. our messaging is for both sides. It's for women to be very clear about what they want and being vocal about it. And also for the men to be tracked whenever they don't get a clear consent or they are unsure 
or whatever it is. So, for example, the issue of mixed signal is not in the context you presented. So my mixed signal is you are with someone in the room and he's touching you and you're saying no verbally, but then I, I, I don't know how to express it because it, it has to be physical for you to get what I'm, what I'm saying. But then you're like touching the mic. <laughs> no, no, that's mixed signal. So you are saying no verbally, but your body language is saying something totally different. If we're going to achieve um, success with this campaign, our messaging needs to be clear and for both parties. Hmm. The men must understand that whenever she's saying no, whether she's sending mid signals or whatever, you must no, retract. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Just retract until you are very sure, until she gives a very clear verbal and body language yes. Mm. Then you go ahead. But also helping women understand that mixed signal can be a problem. To be very honest, we need to be very clear and very honest with the advocacy. Mixed signal can be a problem. When you are saying no, even if the partner is not listening or whatever, be very clear with your no and walk away. Or just end the conversation, whatever it's with your boyfriend or whatever. End that conversation, no, and go to bed. Very simple, but don't say no, but you're all smiley and you're touching the person's body and you're not really being clear about what exactly you are saying. Hmm. So well, I think is that what, it, sorry, is that what Ifed then is alluding to what like social conditioning in no. that? Okay. Because I can imagine a case where, so with, with this example, somebody who's smiling, there's also in the back of your mind trying to say no as gently and as nicely as possible. So that the that's situation the doesn't turn violent. No, that's the point. So our messaging has to be clear with both parties. We can't say because we want to play to the tune of the men not to be violent, then we also are not being very clear about what we want. Because in the court of law, it's actually evidence that counts. Hmm. Do you understand? So when you get to the court of law and, and a good lawyer is asking, when he said, do you want to have sex? What did you say? And you say, I said no. And they begin to question you and say, did you behave this way? Did you do this? Did you do that? A very good lawyer would get a with your case. But I guess that's what I'm, but I guess that's why I'm bringing up the way we raise, because in one, if, in one area we're saying do this, but in another area we're raising girls and boys to act a certain way. The, I, I guess I'm trying to, like have this conversation without isolating it from the ways we're constantly telling ourselves to behave. Does that make sense? Like it absolutely makes sense. It does make sense. But again, we can't say because we've been socially conditioned in a certain way, that's the way it has to go. We are here to break that social conditioning and states this is what is permissible going forward, or this is what we want to see. So this mm -hmm. is about the change. It's not about where we are coming from. We are dismantling where we are coming from and then focusing on where we are going. Okay. So at the moment, okay. you know, the issue of missed signal is still there. And, you know, there's a way it plays out and stuff. But I'm saying as we're going forward with what we want to achieve, missed signal should no longer be a problem. Because women... Or girls who are bringing up 
in this generation are being assertive, are being clear about what is acceptable or what is not acceptable, what their bodies want or what their bodies do not want. Hmm. But for the boys, it's important that when they say no, it's no. Even when their body language is telling you yes or you're assuming it's saying yes, still retract. Mm-hmm. No is no. Yeah. Um, just for the sake of time, because we are coming, we've gone past the one hour mark at this point. Um, I just wanted us to kind of round up by talking about ways um, that, and we've talked about some of these things, like the ways that people date um, or the way that we raise children, but like the very mundane ways um, that we neglect to ask, ask for consent um, that we should be asking for consent such that moving forward, we're actually building a culture of people who are intentionally willing to give consent and willing to receive consent before they move forward. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. So if we could just all go around and just say like some ways um, you think, so I would, I'll just go and say, for me, one thing that I think is really big um, is when it comes to children and adults where it's like someone is visiting your house and you'd be like ah go and hug uncle kunle or ah auntie kini is here go and hug her and the child mm-hmm. is saying no one you don't really know if there has been some prior contact mm-hmm. that has caused that child to feel a certain way personally speaking when i was growing up i remember um whenever we would have visitors or whatever come to the house they'd be like ah go to Mrs. Eze's place and go and buy a malt or whatever. And I hated going there because if it was on a Sunday, I knew that these young men were out there drinking mm-hmm. and I would I would have to navigate the stairs. I would have to navigate the conversation. I would have to navigate like being touched and being like, please stop touching me. But it was like every time I would go, I would catch an attitude and my parents interpreted that as an attitude. But right. Like I, I couldn't, I couldn't verbally just, and I don't know why now I think about it, like why I wasn't just like, I don't want to go because I'm going to be harassed. Maybe because I didn't have the language for mm-hmm. what I was experiencing as a child, but like as parents, just being very aware of like the ways your child responds to certain things when it comes to adults or even certain er- errands that you send them on. Yeah. So in the very little things, like there was a day I went to the market with my mom and um, it was Katangwa Market in Lagos. And anyone who goes to Katangwa Market knows how horrible the boys in, in those areas can be with touching your body and groping you and, mm. you know, catcalling you and harassing you. And, you know, I just, I folded my arms because I didn't want anyone to touch me. But this guy felt that because he's a man and, you know, he had every right to touch me, even though my arms were folded, he touched me. And then I, I slapped his hand. And then the fight broke out. He started yelling, why will I touch it? Why will I beat him or tap his hand and stuff? I said, oh my God. you too. Why will you touch me? And I was like, what do you mean? Are you not in the market? I said, oh, because I mean it. Because I left my house wow. to come to a market to patronize you. Mm-hmm. You now feel you need to touch me. I said, yeah. eh, nobody you're meant to touch. Nobody you're meant wow. to get for house. I said, I'm sorry. No, so that day I took my time, like it, it got a lot of audience. So I took my time to educate them. My mom was just standing looking at me, oh my Jesus, what a <laughs> child. You know, I, I was, I just, I, I couldn't be bothered because these are the very little things, mm-hmm. you know, that contributes towards sexual violence. And I educated, I said, the fact that I'm in the market to buy whatever, 
does not give you any right to touch me. If I need to patronize you, I will come to you to patronize you. You don't have to touch me. You don't mm. have to grope me. Because he used me. Well, he would say it was a mistake. But he actually touched my breast. Mm. Mm. So I was really upset. Like, how dare you? And I was like, what did they do you say? Now only yours. I said, it won't be only my type. But this will be the last time you mm. will try with any woman, whether my type or not my type. Because it's, it's wrong for you to touch a woman. It is not like, I'm not your color. I'm not your type. I'm not your girlfriend. Even though I was your girlfriend, you have no right to touch me at any time. You must always ask me. And you don't even know me. Do I look like your friend? Do I look like someone you... No, like, I really went off on him. And he kept yelling that, oh, I have your type at home and whatever. And I, I said, you can't have my, my type at home. <laughs> no, because they feel like once you fight against them, mm-hmm. you, are, you are fighting their power. Yeah. And men do not like their powers being fought. So you are a threat to that power. So they have to, you know, attack you if you try to force their power to be relinquished. So I, I attacked him back. I attacked him with facts. I atta- attacked him with my point of view. And we were like, ah, now wow, now wow. So you know what I did? I also did the power play as well. I said, you don't know who I am. Like, do you know, do- no, because he, he played the power with me. Like, do you know who I be for this market and whatever? I said, do you know who I am? Do you know who I dine with? Do you know those I've met in my I can't, life? I can't. Oh my God. <laughs> I was not joking. I flipped my phone open and I just opened my phone and showed the photo of a photo, um, my photo with Aliko Dangote. The, the market went quiet. Wait, you actually like had a conversation with She said you go oh, yes. today. I did. I did. Because they assumed that Girls who come into the market are either prostitutes or are just loose girls they can touch us. They don't, they don't want to care who you are. They don't mm. know who is coming to the market. They just feel like, I can touch you and nothing can yeah. happen. I said, yeah. all I need to do is make a phone call. You'll be in the police station over the weekend. My God. I'm Madame Novex or Madame play. I beg. I just play. Like, you know, it began to apologize and I realized that, you know what? They fear women who are strong. Mm-hmm. they don't fear women who negotiate with them they mm-hmm. fear women, women who are assertive and says you cannot do this with me it is not acceptable they started apologizing they are sorry oh please don't call anyone oh so you know Adiko Dangote oh my god oh <coughs> you know and I said so I had to tell you who I am or who I know before you could respect me wow. but if you were to be a man in that market would you mm-hmm. touch me the way you touched him mm-hmm. it's because you don't value me as a woman yeah. and I'm here to tell you the next time I come to this market or I adventure here that you touch a woman indecently, I will make sure you're locked up. He said, I promise. Mm-hmm. I swear. Yes, ma'am. I won't touch anybody again. I promise you. You know, so for me, it's the little things. Mm-hmm. You know, the way we grow up, the way we feel entitled to people's bodies, just people who come to the market just to engage in business transactions and you feel it is okay to touch them or they come and sit on my leg. As a young girl, mm. I, sat, I sat on my neighbor's leg. I, I just felt something poking me, but I couldn't understand what it was. I couldn't put a finger to it. Until when I grew up, I realized that that guy was actually using me to catch crows. Like, like wow. he was making my body make movement against his penis. Now and it was okay to him. Me. It was very okay. It was normal because, again, our culture believes that anyone older than you 
has the right to do respect of a thing yeah, yeah. Mm. because if yes, you say exactly. anything against them it's disrespect yeah. mm. so as a child you have to take all of that in you have to accept it it is normal so i've normalized nonsense in the name of respect mm. as i'm go- going my children i'll tell them any uncle or auntie that refuses to have sense yourself don't have sense. <laughs> don't have sense. No, I'm telling you. Because yeah. to be honest, respect is important. Yeah. But it cannot be at the detriment of mm-hmm. our values and our values. Yeah. Yeah. It cannot be. Mm. It just can't be. No. Wow. I think that's a good place to round up the conversation. Oof. Thank you so yeah. much. Thank you so much. For being on here yeah. and helping us raise children who don't have sense to help combat. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy people out here in these streets. My God. Clearly what I'm taking from this conversation is that every woman who lives in Nigeria needs to Photoshop a picture of herself with Eliko Dangote <laughs> or the Otello Lads of the world. Sorry, you won't take it away. I'm, being, <laughs> so I'm just saying, I'm just saying. But thank you so much. Can you tell people how they can follow you, like where Support all your and, yeah. social media stuff? Yeah, so you can follow um the organization at Stand to End Rape on Twitter and Instagram at Stand to End Rape forward slash S T E R Stare on Facebook. And um, you can follow me, Ayodeji Oshowabi, on Twitter, Instagram, and on Facebook. But please um, drop a message, um, encourage us. Um, it's not all about the money, it's about your time, it's about um, you know, how much you can give your resources. When I mean resources, not financial at the moment, but your mental resources to volunteer with us to go to schools because we're currently teaching boys in secondary schools on consent. Mm. So if you're interested in coming to schools with us, please come. Let's teach these boys, you know, for them to understand what consent is and that how that can help us achieve gender equality. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, really quickly, is the HERE project something that you can talk about? Oh, yeah. The HERE project is something we're doing um, this year. It's a biannual project where we photograph women we have worked with, women who are survivors that we've supported in the areas similar to where it has happened. Because what we realized is when you go to the police station to report, they bring up cases of, um, if you happened in your bedroom, you couldn't have been raped. You must have consented to it. You know, things like that. So we thought... It's, in, it's important that we use art in form of photography to capture places where these issues actually happen, to let people understand that it could happen in the kitchen, in the room, on the street, wherever. Wherever it happens, the story of the survivor is legit and they deserve as much support that they need. Um, so we're going to have like a big event where we're having people from the judicial system, the Nigerian Police Force, the Christian Association, Muslim Association, everyone come together and make, you know, um, like, like um, what's it called now? Draft like, like a commitment card, what they would do. So mm-hmm. those in the media industry would commit to making a short film on sexual violence to educate people. Those in the judicial system would commit to do a bylaw in their laws to hasten process of, um, of convicting sexual harassment cases or sexual violence cases. So just getting commitment from all these people in partnership with the U.S. Embassy in Nigeria and following up with those processes to ensure that people actually carry out their commitment. So that's what the HERE Project is about. 
Awesome. If you guys want to know more, just go follow all her, the social media that she's provided. And we'll also have it in the description box. So thank you so much though, for joining this conversation, giving us some insights. We appreciate your truth and all the work that you're doing. Um, thank you. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Thank, thank you, thank, you so thank much for having you. me. All right. On that note, thank you guys for listening. And we'll